Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I'm hanging out talking sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm gearing up for a pretty cool mini road trip this weekend. Going to see the Chicago Blackhawks on the ice, my second ever NHL game. So it'll be kind of cool to see the defending Stanley Cup champs in person with a couple of my friends and it's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm excited for you. I've only been to one NHL games, and they're uh, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've been to one as well. Only been to one as well. It was back in I believe 2009. I saw Vetchkin and the Washington Capitals with my friend in Washington D.C. Shout out to Aaron. And so that was a fun game to go to, and it was just a fun to experience an NHL game, but. This will be a little bit different because they are the Blackhawks, as as all sports fans should know, are the defending NHL champions. So it'll be cool to see a championship team or, you know, the, a team trying to defend its title. Yeah, definitely. That'll be the second trophy you've seen handed out. Really? Are, are they doing the trophy presentation on I'll, Saturday? I guess I they'll give I them. Know. Well, they give they'll give them the rings, I guess, right? I don't know. I don't know if that's their first home game or not. I'm not sure what their whole schedule is. I just know that it's early in the season. It could be. It could be. That would be kind of sweet too. So, yeah, that would be cool. Either way, I, I like I said, I don't I don't know too much about the NHL. I follow it, but not super closely. But I'm trying to get more into it this year because hockey is pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I enjoy it when I watch it. But the content of this podcast is not. NHL, I'm sorry to disappoint you if you're listening. Chris and I really don't know enough about it to to do a whole podcast serviceable yet. Maybe we'll study it this year, as, as Chris said. What we're going to talk about is the MLB playoffs. The bracket is set. The regular season is over. The wildcard games are going to happen in a couple days. So we're taking a break from football, and we're going to give baseball some due talk about the 10 teams that have survived the regular season and are now in the postseason. Uh, we said we would start in the American League, so let's start with that wild card matchup. I can't think of two more opposed teams than the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. I mean, you got the huge payroll of the Yankees with a, a bunch of aging veterans, and then you have the young guys in the Houston Astros, a ton of rookies, a ton of first-year players, and, you know, the one similarity is that both these teams, I think, surprised a lot of people to get into the postseason. Chris, which of these teams do you like? Well, the Astros did not surprise me because I only got five picks right of my preseason picks, but the Astros are the ones I'm hanging my hat on. I believed in the Astros in the preseason. I thought they had a very young team. I thought that they had the ability to surprise people this year, and I was right. Now, we won't get into who I thought would be playing in the World Series because that was way off on that one. But, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. They are very different teams. You've got the classic sort of David versus Goliath matchup, the team that likes to spend a lot of money, the team that has to develop its players through the farm system. You have a team that's pretty deep in pitching in Houston, and then you have a team that's traditionally a pretty powerhouse offense, though... With Mark Teixeira out, and it's unclear whether or not he'll be back for this wildcard game or any time in the postseason, that obviously hurts the New York Yankees a little bit. But 
The Yankees only have to win one game to move on, and their ace, Masharo Tanaka, is exceptionally good. He is by far the best pitcher in that rotation. So it'll be nice to see him go head-to-head with Dallas Keuchel, who could arguably win the AL Cy Young. I, I think he trailed off a little bit, but he, he will probably get some votes for that. He had a fantastic season. So it'll be a nice game. If it were a best-of-five series, I would definitely take the Astros. But in a one-game playoff, anything can happen, and the Yankees do have at least one really good pitcher. So I, I'm expecting a very close game, and it is in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to pick a one to pick one game in baseball is uh, something that I never really want to do. But with the wild card, I guess you have to. Uh, the more you look at these teams, the more similarities you actually see. Uh, both of these teams love to hit home runs. Uh, the Astros and the Yankees both rely on it heavily. The Astros lead the league uh, in home runs and strikeouts so they're really a boom and bust offense and the Yankees aren't far behind in both those categories Uh, I think it's just who can hit a couple long balls during this game and that's really going to be a decider I don't see much separation in a one game playoff between these two Uh, they both have rocky bullpens but in a one game playoff you have both teams have enough arms to get them through nine innings you know you're, you're going all in just to win this one game so I don't really see a clear-cut advantage in terms of pitching on either side. I mean, Dallas Kuechel is a better pitcher this year than Tanaka, so I guess starting out, the Astros have the edge. But, I mean, the Yankees have tons of experience. Maybe that will help them. Uh, it's it. This is an intriguing matchup for me, for sure. Let's not also forget about the Yoga, Yogi Berra factor. Obviously, his passing, a lot of times things like that can sort of fire up a team and play an X-Factor in and of itself, it being in New York, New York being back in the postseason for the gazillionth time. Obviously, the Yankees would have, as you mentioned, the experience advantage. Joe Girardi was on that World Series team. There's still some guys who are on that World Series team from 2009. So certainly the Yankees have the pedigree. But the Astros, I think, are top to bottom a more talented team, even though it is being played in New York. If I'm going to pick this game, I'm going to pick a little bit with my heart, but I do think the Astros should win and should advance to play Kansas City in the next round. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think the Astros are the safer pick, and I, I'm going to pick them to win the game, but it's a one-game playoff, so anything can happen, really, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Yankees come out on top. Yeah, and in baseball, I mean, home field really only matters for the whole bottom of the ninth factor. You know, other than that, I mean, it's all about pitching. I don't think having home field advantage in the baseball really makes that big of a difference like it does, say, in basketball or in football. But that's that's kind of why I tend to pick with talent in the baseball playoffs a little more than sort of who has the home edge because I think that – the Astros are the better team overall. Yeah, certainly. So whoever wins that game is going to go up against Kansas City. So uh, I think we're both agreeing that the Astros are more likely to, to go up against that matchup against Kansas City. What are your thoughts on the Royals and how do you see them matching up against Houston or for that matter, the Yankees, if, if, the Astro- if New York comes through? 
Well, I think the Astros and the Royals would be a better series because I think the Astros have a depth of pitching staff behind Keuchel. They have Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers, and they traded for Scott Kazmir. So I think that they have a rotation that can go be pretty deadly for anyone. And if I'm the Kansas City Royals, I certainly would rather face the Yankees than the Astros because I think after Tanaka, the Yankees rotation is very hittable, very inconsistent, and CC Sabathia, for those of you who may not have known, just checked into rehab and will not be available for the playoffs. But, you know, they have Ivan Nova, Michael Pineda. Those guys are not nearly as consistent as the guys on Houston. So if I'm Kansas City, I definitely want the Yankees because they only have to face Tanaka once because he wouldn't be able to pitch twice in the series because he'd have to come back for game three. So that's a huge advantage for Kansas City to have that by to watch New York burn its ace in a wild in a play in a wild card game, excuse me, and then just have to face their other guys four out of the five games and just Tanaka one. So I think that the wild card game plays in the Kansas City's factor with New York. Houston can sustain the wild card game because they have a depth of rotation. I think even if they send Colin McHugh or Lance McCullers or someone like that in Game One against the Royals, it wouldn't. I don't think the Royals would want to face that rotation um, as opposed to the Yankees. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it'd be a better matchup um, for for both side for for the Astros for sure in terms of winning. And I think it'd be more fun to see the Astros go up against the Royals. Um, they both steal a lot of bases. They both uh, have a lot of exciting athletic young guys uh pitching and hitting so i think it'll just be more fun to see the astros play the ash to play the royals um and i think they they definitely do match up a, a lot a lot better than the yankees would uh the royals have an exciting lineup for sure they don't hit a lot of home runs but uh they are the most disciplined team in all of baseball they have a 15.7 percent strikeout rate which is uh, 3% lower than any other team. Uh, and they, like I said, they steal a lot of bases. So they're definitely, uh, a disciplined road, a disciplined lineup. I think the one thing to watch out for the, for the Royals, what we talked about the last time we talked about baseball on this podcast was the rotation, which was such a huge strength for their world series run last year is definitely has some question marks right now. Johnny Cueto, uh, struggled mightily and he kind of turned that around but he still wasn't the ace that they got or that they were expecting to get when they got him from Cincinnati and then behind that Jordano Ventura is very inconsistent and Edinson Volquez in September has a 6.43 ERA so uh, certainly part of that could be due in part that they had such a huge lead in the AL Central but it's never good to not be riding momentum into the postseason. I think baseball, more than any other sport, seems to rely more on the hot hand and the hot team than uh, just an overtly dominating rotation or lineup. So that's something to watch out for. And I think on the flip side, the Astros have a very deep rotation, as you said. So that could be an advantage for Houston. I think that anytime you can get a pitcher pitching at an extremely high level at the right time in October you're going to go very far. You saw it with the Giants last year. They rode Madison Bumgarner to a championship. That was all him, pretty much. And I think Houston has the capability of doing that. Now, I I don't know which one's going to step up, but they have a lot of guys who have that kind of talent. 
And as you said, it's never a good thing to be limping into October. And with the rotation questions, question marks that Kansas City has, can they right the ship with Johnny Cueto? Especially him. He's got to be the guy. They traded for him. They brought him in here to make a run in a World Series. This is what they got him for. He needs to step up and be the ace. But if not him, someone else is going to have to do it. And I think that there are some question marks with Kansas City. And it, it wouldn't shock me if the Royals were upset in this divisional round. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if the Astros make it through, if they if they make it through that, that one playoff game, which, like we said, is, is hard to hard to predict but if they make it through i think they'll give the royals a run for their money the yankees i just don't think there's enough depth in terms of hitting or pitching really for them to put up much of a fight against the royals but if it's the astros uh i i would be concerned for the royals i'm actually going to pick the astros to win that series i think they will go to the alcs yeah i I mean on the condition that they win the wild card game yeah i think they would beat the royals in, in a seven game series so or is it it's a five game series. yeah it's five games. excuse me sorry a five game series um if the yankees come through i'm picking the royals so i guess that's a conditional pick is that allowed in this discussion it's our podcast you can make whatever rules you want but i'm picking the <laughs> astros either way so you're, you're you're all in on the astros you think they're going i'm all in on the astros to the alcs all right well, that leads me to think that there's something to discuss on the other matchup in the American League. The Texas Rangers, definitely a surprise team from the AL West, and the Toronto Blue Jays, who uh, won the trade deadline and really haven't looked back since that point and have just hit the snot out of the ball. They have David Price, who's you know a bona fide ace. He's going to give Dallas Kuechel a run for his money in the AL Cy Young category. Uh Chris, I have a feeling which way you're leaning, but who do you like in this matchup? Well, first off, hats off to the Texas Rangers because, as I've said before, at the trade deadline, we kind of scratched our head at some of the moves they made. But they knew their team better than we did because they were in win-now mode and they won the division. So tip the cap to them for what they did. Now you get to face a team that had a run differential of 221. That is better than the St. Louis Cardinals 122 so almost a hundred runs better than the number two team in baseball and that number two team in baseball only hit scored 647 runs the toronto blue jays scored 891 runs this year that offense is insane josh donaldson should win AL MVP. If he doesn't, it's a travesty. I'm sorry. All due respect to Mike Trout, you didn't make the playoffs. You only hit about 90 RBIs, even though you had 42 home, 40 or 42 home runs. And I know RBIs isn't always on him. It's a team thing. But Josh Donaldson, man, you bring him in, and Toronto goes from a mid-tier team to a 93-win team, a legit World Series contender. A lot of people focused on the Troy Tulowitzki trade. Ever since they got David Price, that team has just been nasty. Price moved everyone down in that rotation, took R.A. Dickey from an ace to a strong number two. I think that Blue Jays are locked and loaded and are a very deadly team. I think they will beat the Rangers and get to the ALCS. Yeah, it's hard not to pick them, and it's hard not to look at them as the favorite of all 10 teams in the MLB. Uh just what they've done since August going on the tear that they have. Um, 
I think they're definitely the favorite to to win the American League for sure. But there's just something about this Rangers team that that gives me pause. Like, isn't this the type of team that usually surprises us in October? Uh, the team that nobody's talking about, like the Royals or the Giants last year. I mean, they do have an ace at top. Cole Hamels, a guy who has been to the World Series, who has won a World Series. Um, I I don't know. I, I think it's going to be closer than we are making it out to be. And I don't really have a reason for that because by all accounts, the Blue Jays should just hit their way through both series to the World Series. But um, I don't know. I think this is going to be a really close matchup just because the Rangers seem to have a little bit of magic, which isn't quantifiable and sounds a little silly when you say it, but I think it's going to be a close matchup. But in the end, I'm going to take the Blue Jays. Yeah, I'm thinking Toronto. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a close series. Here's the thing about baseball. Here's the thing I love about baseball. Only 10 teams make the playoffs. Even if you're the worst team in the field, you're a pretty darn good team. In the NBA, if you're the worst team in the field, you're an awful team. In the NHL, if you're the worst team in the field, you're an awful team. The NFL is pretty solid too. Football is pretty solid about getting quality teams in there. If you make the baseball playoffs, you're a very good team. I think all 10 of these teams could win the World Series. And I say that every year about baseball. Any team that makes the baseball playoffs is good enough to win the World Series because you're talking about the best of the best. These are the teams I want to see playing. I don't want any fat. I cut the fat off. They use the regular season to do that. The basketball playoffs needs to cut in half. Hockey needs to do the same thing. I'm sick of all the watered-down postseasons. Baseball is not that. So I do believe that all, all 10 of these teams could win the World Series. And I wouldn't be surprised if Texas gave Toronto a great series or even beat the Blue Jays. I, I, I'm just going to pick the Blue Jays because I think they are the better team. Yeah, I'm going with them as well, especially the way David Price has pitched since the trade. Uh, it's hard to pick against them for sure. And in a five-game series, uh, yeah, I'm picking the Blue Jays. But like you said, anything can happen in, in October, and that's that's why the baseball playoffs is really compelling to watch, and I think more people need to tune into it. Baseball and football have it so right. Their regular season means something because the best teams make it, and their playoffs are always intense. I, I think that the other sports can really learn a lot from those two postseasons. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, before we get to the World Series, let's talk the NL now. Let's let's build up some suspense for our World Series pick. For sure, that means you have to listen a little bit longer or just scrub to the end if you want to hear that. <laughs> but... Hey, here's a prediction for you. I predict that the loser of the wild card game in the NL, the Pirates and the Cubs, is going to be crying some tears about the format. I predict that someone's going to whine big time about having to play this wild card game when the Dodgers and the Mets get in in a best of five series despite having worse records. I don't like, I would not be in favor of that. Crying, that is, because I love this format. I love the emphasis on winning a division title. If you don't win your division, you should have to play in the wild card game. These two teams, I know they play in a division with St. Louis, but they didn't win their division. They deserve to be there. I don't care what the record is. I think this is going to be a very good matchup. Well, whoever loses and, and, and starts crying is foolish because just three years ago, they wouldn't have made the postseason to begin with. So they should be happy that the MLB has at least given them a chance to to play in this play playing game. Um, 
yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, two division rivals, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Cubs, uh, a lot of people liked them. A lot of people thought they were a year away. Uh, they definitely proved a lot of people wrong and have had a really nice season. Uh, Jake Arrieta, if not for Zach Greinke, would be the clear-cut Cy Young winner. So they're definitely a good team. The Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, this is the year three of the two wild cards in each in each league and they've played in all three of them they've, they've gone one and one and, and they're going to host a, a third consecutive wild card game so you have the young lineup and rotation of the chicago cubs against what is literally the experienced pittsburgh pirates so what's going to give what's going to break i i i like to hate on the cubs a lot I did pick the Pittsburgh Pirates to make the wild card, and uh, I was a little bit more sold on them throughout the whole season. So I'm picking the Pirates. I just think that that experience, Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole pitching, starting that game, they have a chance. And the Cubs, I think there are too many variables, young variables that we don't really know about to pick them when there's a talented team on the other side in the Pirates. First off, if the Miami Marlins played in the American League and made the playoffs this year, there is no way I would pick against the Cubs winning the World Series because that whole back to the future thing, I definitely believe in that. <laughs> that being said, I think Jake Arrieta is the difference here. I mean, I think this guy is probably going to win the Cy Young. You did mention Zach Greinke, and I certainly wouldn't be mad if he won it. But this guy's been fantastic. I think when you have a one game, I look at who has the better pitcher, and it's so hard to predict because in baseball, anything can happen in one game. You can say that about any sports, but really in, in baseball, I feel like it's it's the most unpredictable if you're just asking me to pick one game. I think the Cubs lineup is just a little bit better, and I think they have the better pitcher. I'm going to go with them to win this one game and get by them and face what is essentially the National League Central playoffs because the winner of this game gets to play St. Louis. This year in four starts, Garrett Cole's 2-1 and one with a 2-13 ERA against Chicago. This guy is, for Granke, Kershaw, and Arietta, as good as they are, this is probably the fourth best pitcher in the National League with a 19-8 record, 2-60 ERA, and a 1-1 and record and 2-45 ERA in two postseason starts. Cole's legit, and he's got the experience over Arietta with the more experienced lineup. I I gotta I'm I I have to go with the Pirates. I think that they should be the favorite with this home matchup in the wild card. I'm gonna tip my hat to that stat bomb there. That was a very good stat bomb. But I like the 177, 22 and six record just a little bit better. I understand, you know, Garrett Cole has pitched well against the Cubs, but he's going up against Jake Arietta. I think the Cubs are going to win. This is a nip-tuck game. Both of these teams won 90 games. They're two excellent teams. I think this is going to be a very fun game to watch, especially because they're two teams that have kind of been marred in mediocrity for so long. Like the Pirates before this three-year run had like 19 straight losing seasons. The Cubs, we all know, are cursed. They haven't won a World Series in forever. These are kind of two teams that most people want to cheer for and they're going head-to-head, and they're very talented. I, I feel like this is going to be a very high-level 
playoff game. And I like the fact that it's an elimination game because the intensity level is going to be so much greater than it would be if it were like a best of three series or something. Yeah, certainly. I, I like the intensity. I don't know. There's, I think the Cubs for, for being such a surprise this year have as much pressure on them to win this game than any team in the postseason to win their series matchup. That city and MLB in general just heaps on the expectations whenever the Cubs are good. These guys are young. It can either go really well or it can either go really wrong. So I have to stick with the Pirates in this one. See, I'm going to disagree with you slightly because I think the pressure's on Pittsburgh. This is their third straight year in the playoffs, and they haven't had too much to show for it. The Cubs, I think, are peaking a year earlier than some people expected. I think it was about 50-50 on the Cubs. Some people said, yeah, they're going to break out this year, and others, like us, said they're a year away. But I think being a little early shifts the expectations away from you. Because if they lose, Cubs fans, I don't think, will be as disappointed this year because they'll say, you know what, we have a long-term contender. And then in following years, the pressure is going to mount on the Cubs like never before because of that curse. I think the pressure is on Pittsburgh because this is their third wildcard game, as we've mentioned. This is their third trip into the postseason in a row. The window is never that big, very big. I'm not saying it's going to close next year, but you got to start turning these playoff trips into something more than just a one-win, one-series wonder. Yeah, I think I think the the pressure I'm talking about with the Cubs is a little bit different. Just kind of there's a weight on them, I think, on that team to perform in the postseason and to get rid of that curse that no other team really has to face. And I agree with you. I think that weight will grow if they get deep in the postseason. Like if they were to go to the NLCS, I think that's when that would come into play. But I think right now, most people see them as playing with house money because they're the five seed, because they've peaked about a year earlier than expected. And no one is going to pick these two teams to beat St. Louis in the next round. So I think that if they were to upset St. Louis and get to the NLCS, the pressure you're talking about is certainly going to play a much bigger factor but until they do that I think they're just playing with house money and most Cub fans are just happy to see their team perform at a high level a year earlier than expected yeah yeah we will see um I think I'm more excited about that matchup than I'm against Yankees Astros even though I think that'll be good as well me too I I, this is going to be one of the best games of the playoffs I think that the Cubs and Pirates should deliver as you mentioned Cole is a great pitcher too you got a great pitching matchup. You got two really good offenses. I, I'm excited for I think this is the game I'm most excited for until the championship series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So whoever wins this game, Pirates or Cubs, they're going to go on to win the their other division rival in the playoffs. That's the St. Louis Cardinals, finished with the best record in the MLB at 100 wins. Uh, what What do you think? What do you like about this team? Are you picking them to beat that wild card team? Well, what's not to like about a 100-win team? I mean, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. They always seem to win. They've been to four straight NLCSs. They've been to two out of the last four World Series. And this is an odd year, so it means they're probably poised to go to another World Series. As you said in our preview podcast way, way back in March, and I should have gotten on that train, but I didn't. I picked the Nationals to win the NL, and... I'm regretting that deeply, but what's not to like about a 100-win team? Uh, 
I just don't see how anyone can say a team that's been so consistent for so long with so much talent isn't the favorite in the National League. Yeah, they lead the majors in rotational ERA, second in the majors in bullpen ERA. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick against them, but at the same time, they are they they do it. The Cardinals do it in such a way with so many different pieces that it's hard to look at them as a. When you watch them, it's hard to see them as a dominant team. I mean, Adam Wainwright, their ace, has been out the whole year. Matt Holliday and Yadier Molina, their their two best hitters, have been hurt with injuries. So it's amazing that they won 100 games considering the injuries and the inconsistencies they've had throughout the year. But, yeah, they're the Cardinals. They own October. They own the NL Central. I They're my World Series pick to win it all. I, I, I can't jump ship now when they're looking so good. The only reason for concern i have is uh lance lynn michael waka and jaime garcia all have plus five eras since august 30th so that could be a little bit of uh like we talked about with the royals a little bit being lackadaisical because they had such a good lead that being said the pirates and the cubs did give them a a a good run for their money well into september to, to clinch that division so um i don't know they they aren't they don't inspire me like a dominant team, but they're the Cardinals. So I'm picking them. Yeah. I think St. Louis is kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. It's an excellent comparison. They, they're just, they don't have a superstar. They don't have a guy that makes you go. Wow. I mean, Tim Duncan is a superstar. I'm not trying to say he isn't, but he's often described as the boring superstar, the guy that everyone forgets about. And a lot of people really do amazingly forget about Tim Duncan and, Forget to place him as a superstar in the NBA. When you look at the Cardinals, it's the exact same thing. They have a lot of really strong guys, and I think they're the deepest team in baseball, and I think that is their strength, that when their big names get hurt, people kind of write them off, but they ignore the fact that they're so deep and so talented that it's not it doesn't affect them as much, and they have survived so much. They've survived Pujols leaving the team. Everyone left them for dead when Pujols left for the Angels everyone and what do they do they go on to keep winning and keep getting the nlcs's and keep getting to a world series i mean this team just keeps on coming back and keeps on winning no matter how many guys go down it seems i just can't not give them the benefit of the doubt after they've been so consistent for so long i don't think it matters who wins the wild card game i think st louis is going to go to the nlcs yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, look for Matt Holiday to finally get healthy in the postseason and come up with some big hits. Um, I, I like them. I like them to win the World Series, as I predicted all the way back in April. Yeah, well, we'll forget that you only got three of our ten postseason teams correct. I got the one that matters. So far. So far. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's not over yet, man. There's still a few more games before they're crowned champion, but at least you have your champion in the field. Mine did not make it. But the other series in the National League, Dodgers and Mets. Dodgers, big spending. It's another year in the playoffs, another year with that huge payroll, another year with massive expectations. And then there's the Mets, who, a lot like the Cubs, have peaked a year early. But, man, did they do something about their fate when they went out and got Johannes Cespedes at the trade deadline. They have a great rotation. 
They have Cespedes in the middle of that lineup. The lineup has played a lot better since trading for him. Should be a pretty solid series. I mean, should be a, a fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Dodgers, just with the star power, with that one-two combination, Granky and Kershaw, who are probably going to finish in the top three in Cy Young voting in the NL. I mean, it's hard to pick against that. Uh, you know, Kershaw's got some uh, some demons to face, especially when facing the Cardinals. Uh, he's got an 0-4 record with a 7-15 ERA the last two postseasons against St. Louis. But against other teams, he's been pretty much himself. So the Mets are going to have their handful, but they have Uanis Cespedes who could probably hit, uh, you know, blindfolded with one hand tied behind his back. He's just hitting the lights out of the ball. With him, I think it's it's an even series. So I'm intrigued by this matchup for sure. The Mets have the deepest rotation, but... The Dodgers have a really top-heavy rotation. What's going to give? The Mets have a lot of young guys. Are they going to step up? The Dodgers have a lot of guys that have choked in the past. So are they going to have a breakthrough, or are they going to regress some more? It's going to be interesting. I'm actually thinking that the Mets are going to ride the hot hand and beat the Dodgers in five. Yeah, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think it's better to have a top two in the playoffs than a four. Because when you're playing in the series, you can stagger it. So those two guys pitch four games if you want to bring one guy back on short rest. So I think having Kershaw and Granke definitely gives the Dodgers an advantage. But let's not just overlook the Mets rotation. I think their one-two can go toe-to-toe with them. So... I think it comes down to that X factor. We've all we've talked about the X factor a lot. It's things you don't really quantify. But when I look at the Dodgers, I see a team that has huge expectations because of their huge payroll. I see a team that's underperformed in the postseason the last couple of years. And I wonder that because of that huge payroll, because of those huge expectations, does that lead to them not living up to par in the postseason? Whereas the Mets are happy to be there. They have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of you know young players who aren't necessarily you know weighed down by the expectations of having a huge payroll. They play in New York, but they're certainly the stepbrother to the New York Yankees. I think the Mets are going to win this series. Yeah, I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. They have a young rotation, but they do have a veteran lineup. And they're they're only borrowing Johannes Cespedes at this point. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's going to get a huge payday. Then you have guys like Granderson, Duda, and Wright, and Daniel Murphy in the middle. That's not really a young lineup. So I think uh, the Mets are like you said they're free they're free swinging right now, partially because they have nothing left to lose. They they they've a lot of these guys have suffered a lot to get to this point. You know, David Wright does have some postseason experience, as does Granderson. And they I think they recognize that without Cespedes, they wouldn't be here. And it's hard to predict where Cespedes is going to end up next year. So I think the Mets have nothing to lose, and they're just going to they're gonna go down swinging. And I think they're going to uh, surprise themselves and, and find themselves in a 2006 NLCS rematch with the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that 2006 NLCS was one of the classic ones. And look, we're not going to – Jacob DeGrom – and uh, Matt Harvey, certainly two solid pitchers. I mean, you've got Kershaw and Granke, but I like that one-two punch as well. 
I think it's a. I, just, I, I would say it's a one-two-three punch with Noah Syndergaard. It's hard to to well, argue that was, he's any any worse than those two. No, yeah, I was going to mention him as well, but I was just kind of comparing the uh, two versus two there. If you're only going to look at the top two pitchers, I mean, I, I don't think the Mets one-two punch is that much worse than Granky and Kershaw, and then you add in Syndergaard, as you said, that fills out every game in the series if you want to, and the ageless Bartolo Colon still in that rotation somehow. So I think that the Mets have a lot going for them, and I think it's going to come down to expectations. I think the Dodgers just seem to get to the postseason and be choked by these huge expectations placed on them by a ridiculous payroll. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it it doesn't matter regardless because then Kershaw would go up against the Cardinals and just evaporate again. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, so by my count, we have Toronto and Houston. At least I do. I have Toronto and Houston, and then the Cardinals and the Mets. We both have the Cardinals and the Mets. We both have the Blue Jays. Who did you pick in that sort of... You, you kind of did a conditional pick with that Kansas City pod, though. Yeah, I mean, for... Yeah, I kind of did a conditional pick, but it doesn't really matter in terms of picking the series. I'm, I'm picking the Blue Jays to win the AL, so... Uh, regardless of who they face, whether it be the the Astros or the the Royals, I, I think the Jays are going to be there in the World Series. Here's the thing, though: wouldn't it be cool to have a Houston St. Louis World Series? Why the hack hack gate? Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about that. That would be kind of cool to have those two meet in the World Series. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen because I don't want to pick against Toronto. I think it will be Toronto and St. Louis. And as much as I want the Blue Jays to win, I'm going to come over to your side and say that it's the odd year it's St. Louis's time to win again and go with the Cardinals. But I do like this Blue Jays team. I like Josh Donaldson. I like Jose Batista. I wouldn't be mad if the Blue Jays won. But I think the Cardinals are going to do it again. That'd be interesting if the Astros won and, and the Cardinals win. That'd be a rematch of the 2005 NLCS when the Astros were in the National League. So <laughs> It's true. And that was another good series. That was an awesome NLCS. And then the Astros went on to get hosed by the White Sox in four games. But, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... I've said it multiple times. I picked the, the Cardinals to win the World Series uh, back in April... Uh, hubris and the fact that they are a really good team. It, I'm I'm picking the Cardinals to win. I think that they it's just they have the magic. They they know how to win in, in October. It's an odd year that that voodoo is helping them. I think the Blue Jays or the Astros will give them a, a valiant effort. I think they're very talented and they could certainly uh, surprise them and and over talent them for sure. But uh, I'm picking the Cardinals. I think the Blue Jays versus the Cardinals would be a great matchup, kind of a pitching versus hitting, the two best run differentials in the uh, in the major major leagues. You have the best rotational ERA in the Cardinals and, and the best offense in, in the Blue Jays. That, that would be a great matchup to watch. So uh, I'm picking Cardinals over Blue Jays. Yeah, if you had bailed on your preseason pick, you would have lost your right to brag about your preseason pick if it comes <laughs> true. So come on, man. They, they, your preseason pick wins 100 games. We should have all known who you were going to pick to win the World Series. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But you know what this means. It means that the Rangers are going to play the Yankees and that the Dodgers are going to play the Cubs, right? 
that none of this yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, most likely. And honestly, none of that would really surprise me. I mean, there's not really a, a dead horse in this in this race i mean the yankees continue to surprise me every week that they are in the position they are in but uh you know it's time for them to stop surprising me like i think all 10 of these teams are certainly capable of getting the world series i say it every year in baseball any team that makes the playoffs can win the world series because it truly is the best of the best i think that i don't think a bad team or rarely very rarely does a bad team make the MLB playoffs. I think that any team that gets into this postseason is a quality team and certainly capable of winning it all. And that is definitely true this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of the 10 teams won the title. Yeah, certainly not. All right. Any uh, last things to say about the MLB postseason? No, not really. Not really. I think we covered it all, man. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, so it's been a while since we've talked about soccer, but if you remember, the U.S. was upset in the Gold Cup. Mexico won that tournament, and that set up a CONCACAF playoff game for the Confederations Cup on October 10th, USA versus Mexico. The winner of this goes to the Confederations Cup, which is played at the site of the World Cup. It's kind of a tune-up tournament, but it's a very significant tune-up tournament because the Arguably, eight, eight very quality teams will be there, and it definitely helps your team get a lot of valuable experience for the World Cup. Bob, how big is this game for Team USA? Because ultimately, it is an exhibition. I mean, it's not has it doesn't have anything to do with qualifying for the World Cup. But how big is this for Team USA to to beat Mexico and get to this tournament? I think it would, it would pay huge dividends, and it would kind of. Uh take the monkey off of Jurgen Klinsmann and, and team USA's back for, for such a disappointing gold cup that they, that they played. If they win, uh, they'll silence some critics and they'll gain incredibly valuable experience by playing a tournament in Brazil the year before the world cup. So, uh, I think they should, they shouldn't acknowledge that this is a, a huge game for them, but I think they should certainly play like it, uh, with the team that they named, uh, they're, they're they're acting like it's a big game. They're they're bringing all their vets back. Uh, Jermaine Jones is back. Uh, Tim Howard is back. So uh, Team USA is acting like this is a big game, if even if they're not saying it. Yeah, I think this is a very big game because I think they need to shake off the upset in the Gold Cup to Jamaica and qualify for this tournament. Because I think that if you're trying to build a program, the more high quality competition you can give your guys the better and if you're going to try to prepare for that 2018 world cup playing in the confederations cup is a big step towards that you're going to play against seven of the other best teams in the world the seven other regional champions and the host city and the host country which is brazil who also probably would have won the regional championship so the point is i think it's huge and anytime they play mexico in a non-friendly game in a significant game it's a big deal, too, because that's your CONCACAF rival. You have to assert your dominance over this region and show Mexico that USA is still the top team in this regional. And I just think it's big on so many levels for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if Brazil would have won. You know, you have Argentina there and Uruguay and Colombia. So the fact that Brazil's hosting uh, usually 
you know, sometimes you have really lesser teams play in this tournament, but Brazil's a powerhouse. So that invites a legitimate second powerhouse in South America to play in this tournament. So it's going to be even more stacked than, than in years past. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, they're playing in the Rose Bowl, which is, uh, you know, in L.A., there's a very strong Mexican support group out there. And this Rose Bowl might not be the most uh it could be a somewhat hostile environment for team USA. If you know team Mexico fans have a very strong following in America and they turn out for live events, uh, even more so than team USA fans. So it's going to be an interesting matchup with, uh, some stakes on the line and with the hostile environment, I'm very interested to see how USA plays. I think that's one of the reasons they picked the Rose Bowl because they wanted to find a site that was relatively neutral, even though it was in America. And no doubt in my mind, I think it's going to be a fairly 50-50 split as far as fan bases go at that Rose Bowl. Wouldn't surprise me if TMUSA finds itself in a situation where the crowd's against them because, as you said, there is a huge uh, Mexican population in L.A. It's not far from Mexico. And... You know, team Mexico fans travel and turn out for their team, and I believe they are a lot more passionate about soccer in Mexico than they are in the United States. So yeah. it certainly wouldn't surprise me if the Team USA finds itself, hey, we're in America, but the crowd's chanting Mexico. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and you know, one last thing: USA isn't the only team that has something to prove. I mean, Mexico had a little, a few down years, and they're trying to get back to to dominating Concacaf play. And if they win this matchup and go to the Confederations Cup, I think they cannot, they 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 can say that they they're owning Concacaf again. So, I, I'm definitely going to watch it. I would watch it if I won at the Blackhawks game. So yeah, understand. I will definitely be tuning in and following it, but. It is. It's a huge match. You got if you if you have time on Saturday, make time and watch it. I highly encourage you. Uh, soccer is fun, especially when it's a non-friendly and when it's U.S. Mexico. It's a big rivalry. It should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get any chance to watch some football, some American football this weekend? I did. I actually watched some uh, traditional football too. I covered a high school soccer game, a very big one in our coverage area. So. I watched a little bit of both on Saturday. But, yes, I did watch some uh, college football and a lot of pro football yesterday. Is there a particular game you want to talk about real quick? Or? Uh, there, a lot happened over the weekend. Uh, I know your Georgia Bulldogs didn't fare too well. And the AP and coaches poll kind of had a bit of a shakeup because a lot of teams uh, kind of surprised. The, the Florida Gators, I think, are the team of the – week right now it seems like every week there's someone else mississippi was it a few weeks ago and now mississippi got chopped by the gators so who's gonna bite off florida in a few weeks i don't know it's been kind of a crazy college football season yeah absolutely i mean this number six seven and eight team all lost on the same day ucla notre dame and georgia um this is looking like a year where it, it it's gonna take the whole season to figure out who those top four top five teams are Every week, I think there are going to be some big shakeups. Um, it wasn't just those upsets, though. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan State both struggled mightily to to beat their lesser opponents. So the top ten, both from Indiana, two Indiana schools. Yeah, Watch maybe. Out. Yeah, something. <laughs> what's going on there? I guess. Um, I, I I will say one thing. I've said it before on this podcast, but people who don't follow the Big Ten don't realize how Purdue much of a trap Purdue is. Purdue has caused headaches for front-running Big Ten teams. 
Ohio State had to win on like a Hail Mary when they won their 2002 title game against Purdue, when they won their 2002 title against Purdue. Purdue has given front-running Big Ten teams a lot of problems. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but if you follow the Big Ten, you know that Purdue has that ability to just get up for whoever the front-runner is. Yep. Now, I mean, you know, every conference has those those teams that, that give the big guys trouble year in and year out and have memorable games. So, uh, you know, those, those conference play is starting, so those games are going to pop up. You know, Texas Tech seems to be pestering a lot of these big, big 12 teams. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting college football season uh, as we're getting into conference play. I don't think anybody's safe. Nobody looks like a true number one. Maybe TCU or Baylor, but neither of them have really – plates anybody worth mentioning so I and they've know, struggled but. in their own right against subpar competition they haven't there have been some games where they've looked like they could lose yeah i mean tcu almost lost to texas tech uh baylor i'm not i'm not sure of a game where they where it came close but they haven't really played you know anybody really worth mentioning so uh in terms of who's pretending and who's for real, I it's hard for me to make heads or tails of it. I think uh, we're going to have a podcast where we're going to try and delve into it. Hopefully in a week's time, we'll have a little bit more information to work with because right now I think it's a big mess. I don't think one week's going to be enough information, but we'll certainly enjoy having a little more information. Two things I want to point out, or three things. One, Northwestern, man, number 13. That team keeps rising, and Stanford at 4-1 and is helping them big time. Iowa beating Wisconsin. That was another big win for the Hawkeyes program. Maybe they're starting to step up, breaking back into the top 25. And that Clemson-Notre Dame game was a classic example of why you don't go for two until you have to. I'm talking to you, Notre Dame. They were down 21-9. to They went for two and didn't get it. Held Clemson to a field goal. Had they just kicked the extra point, they would have been down 14 and not needed to try that two-point conversion on the final play. I was shouting it at the TV when they went for that first two-point conversion. They shouldn't have gone for two. You don't go for two until you have to, until your last possible touchdown. That cost them the game. Yeah, definitely. That was a great game to watch. Um, actually, I mean, it, now that we're talking about I think Clemson – has in terms of who they've played the road victory against louisville and a, and a home win against notre dame and then looking in the future how their schedule lays out with home games against georgia tech and florida state i think that they're in the driver's seat for not only the acc but for a college playoff berth and i think that they their road is uh is, is looking very nice for them now that i say that i probably curse them and jinx them but uh by getting through notre dame the the rest of their schedule looks very nice for them I also love seeing Utah and TCU at number two and number five. Former non-BCS schools coming into Power Five conferences and owning them. I think that's pretty cool that it shows that just because you don't play in a Power Five conference doesn't mean you're not a great team. And I think Boise State, even though they don't play in a Power Five conference, still a very strong team. There are a couple other ones out there too. I'm not saying Toledo belongs in this group, but shout out to the Toledo Rockets, another Ohio school in the top 25, at least the AP top 25 at number 24. But it it does please me to see TCU at number two, Utah at number five, both undefeated and both on top of their respective conferences, at least for now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, both teams probably took advantage of power vacuums that were vacated when Texas fell off and then the two teams in, in LA fell off a little bit. They're able to kind of 
replace that while they were down. So, uh, yeah, I think they're reaping the benefits of joining a power conference and then taking advantages of, of typical powerhouses having down years. And let's not forget, I'm not trying to pile on the SEC here, but there was a sugar bowl that a lot of fans have burned the tapes to this sugar bowl. It was the year Florida won its second national title, but Utah hammered Alabama in that game, and nobody in their right mind gave Utah a chance or a prayer to beat a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. All month long, it was all about Nick Saban's going to do this and that, and Utah hammered them. So Utah has been really good for a long time. Urban Meyer had that program at a high level too. I believe with Alex Smith, they were the first non-BCS school to win a BCS game. So Utah has been doing this for a lot longer than just its power five days. Yeah, certainly. So NFL action too. Any thoughts from that, Bob? Any, any games that stuck out to you? Well, you know, I'm reeling over the uh, the clowns and Dwayne Rudd's <laughs> ghosts, you know, floating over them and, and, and possessing Tremont Williams for a play. Uh, that was a stupid game. Um, you know, I didn't have a chance to watch any really good game. Like, I watched Broncos, Vikings. That was just kind of a boring game, to be honest. Uh, I watched. I was locked into a bunch of bad games, too. I didn't get any really good games on yeah. the local feed. I would have loved to watch that Rams Cardinals game. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the best game of of, of Sunday for sure. Uh, Todd Gurley had a really good game. Uh, yes, he did. The Cardinals, I guess they're getting kind of the rep, kind of like the Colts rep, where they beat up on lesser opponents, but give them a a a team that that has some bark, and they 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 retreat in their corner because, uh, man. The Cardinals look dominant for three games against lesser opponents, and then the Rams come with some talent, and uh, they kind of did whatever they wanted to on offense. And Nick Foles shredded them for three touchdown passes, too. It wasn't just Ty Gurley. I mean, Nick Foles played a fine game. Uh, yeah, I was I was a little surprised to see the Cardinals lose to the Rams. The Rams are a very good team. They, they've struggled a little bit, but they beat the Seahawks in Week 1. They, they certainly are capable of pushing back a little bit. I was a little disappointed that Sunday Night Football didn't feature two former Browns quarterbacks in uh, Luke McCown versus Brandon Whedon. That would have been fun to watch. <laughs> fun to watch, but, you know, Brandon Whedon looks like a competent quarterback when he has a good O-line and good play calling. <laughs> I mean, well, he doesn't I, look I great, it, but um, he certainly handled but, the offense. <laughs> I think almost anyone can look good with the right team around him. And certainly, I mean, look, when you're talking about the failings of the Browns, it's not exactly, they haven't exactly set up their quarterbacks for success either. It's not just finding the guy, it's grooming the guy and putting a team around him. And you're seeing that in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. There's no doubt that he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league right now, but they don't have a team around him at all. Yeah, the Colts... The, yeah, the Colts. Andrew Luck masks a lot of ugly things about the Colts. Back to the Browns oh, for just a second. Um, who would have thought that Josh McCown was probably the best part of their team? I mean, he played a great game. He played a fine game. I mean, he yeah. made a lot of big throws. He looked poised. He was under arrest, but he stood in there and he he played a fine game. Yeah, I'll give him all the credit in the world. Yeah, and I mean, 
not he didn't play as well against Oakland, but that was still a, a fine performance. You know, he's not the reason they're losing these games. It's no, the quarterback position is the least of the worries. We talked about this on our Cleet Talk podcast. I mean, the secondary is not playing well. No Joe Hayden in that game, so still lingering effects from that injury he suffered in Week Three, and the offensive line. It's kind of a mess. I mean, there have been a lot of bad penalties. And, you know, the running game got going a little bit against San Diego. But it should be a little bit yeah. better given all the talent they have on that line. Yeah. All right. Before we go, though, I, we do have to talk about the, the Jets, Dolphins, and, and now Joel Philbin has just gotten fired. Uh, the Dolphins, man, what's up with that team? I think everything is wrong with that team right now. Yeah. And I am not happy that I picked them, A, to get to the playoffs, and B, I picked their defense in one of my fantasy leagues, so double whammy for me there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Nadamakin Sue had a chance to stuff Chris Ivory for a one yard loss, and he just went high on him, and Ivory brushed him off and burned him. And that's a $114 million defensive tackle right there. You got to make that tackle. Yeah, the Dolphins are not what people thought they were. No, I mean, and and firing Joel Philbin is just uh, just makes them look like they have no clue what they were doing in the off season. I mean, why would you, you know, for the things could it to go this bad this quickly and then to give up on on your head coach? I mean, you're you're thrown in the towel essentially for for a season when you Certainly. just invested tons of money and assets in acquiring not just Sue but you know Kenny Stills, uh, a couple other wide receivers. I mean. This is a team that was in win-now mode. They invested a huge contract in Ryan Tannehill, and now, yeah, it's it's not a good look for them. I don't think Tannehill is the problem. I think Tannehill is actually a really good quarterback. But why would you fire a coach who had you on the doorstep of the playoffs the last two years? I mean, it's I don't necessarily think he was the problem either. I think that they just got a bad mix of players in the offseason that aren't fitting right right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. But... All right, so we tried to cram as much football in as we could. We couldn't resist, but unfortunately, we are out of time for this podcast. Thank you again for listening. Hope you made it this far. If you did, please subscribe via iTunes because it means you must enjoy our podcast if you could listen to us for nearly an hour. It means you must enjoy us. So that means you got to follow us on iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, Twitter, Fenley RD Sports, Instagram, Fenley ROAD Sports. Come back to FenleyRoadSports.com. We'll have more podcasts up for you every week. Talking sports. It'll be fun. Come back for more. But until then, take care. I'll see you, Chris. All right, man. Take it easy, Bob.